Good day, listeners. Jonathan Darty here with another edition of the Pure Sex Radio program. Now, before we get into today's episode, I want to remind you of our summer matching gift opportunity. From now until August 31st, when you give any amount to our ministry, your gift will be doubled up to $75,000. And currently, we've reached about the 20 to 25% mark on the match, and we have a big thank you to all of those who have given. And if you'd like to partner with us in reaching and serving more people in the days and months ahead, you can double your gift right now at bebroken.org donate. This link will also be in our show notes. Thank you so much for your partnership in helping individuals and families move from sexual brokenness to wholeness in Christ. Now let's talk about this week's episode. Do you live your life with intentionality and purpose or merely as a reaction to your moods or circumstances? How does the answer to this question affect your pursuit of sexual integrity? My guest today is Michael Warren. He's a land surveyor by trade, but he's also written a book entitled Live Deliberately. In our conversation, we unpack some insights from the book that will help you address wounds and brokenness from your past and live into the full, abundant life that Jesus offers. To learn more about Michael and get a copy of his book, visit mwarrenauthor.com. For more resources, visit bebroken.org or check out links in today's show notes. And as always, would you please rate and review the podcast after listening to help others find it? Pure Sex Radio is produced by Be Broken, and we exist to help men, women, and families move from sexual brokenness to wholeness in Christ and equip others to do the same. Now let's dive into today's conversation with Michael. Well, all right, Michael Warren, welcome to the program. Thank you very much. Happy to be here. Yeah, I'm looking forward to this conversation. You know, you have, uh, you've got a book that you've written called Live Deliberately, and I want us to kind of unpack some of that as part of our conversation today, and especially especially highlighting a lot of the healing elements and the things that have to go on in terms of uh, you know living a life of transformation and even recovery and and what needs to be healed in our lives in order for us to live as we have been designed by God to live. But before we get into that, why don't you just share a little bit of kind of your backstory and like who you are and and how you got to this point of writing this particular book? Absolutely. Um, you know, I am a land surveyor by trade. Um, a lot of what I do is making maps. And so a lot of that comes into how I approached this book. Um, I've taken some inner healing uh, training. I've gone through a lot of books. I've read a lot of different material on it. And I just wanted to come up with a roadmap of a sorts to give um, men and women, men and women both, just tools that they can use to apply to their life to get unstuck in areas, areas that you might be feeling stuck in. How do I get unstuck? And so, just different things to try. Um, we all have wounds and pain. I don't. I don't care if your your parents were Mary and Joseph, you're going to have wounds from them growing up, just the nature of our fallen world. And what my goal is in life in general is to move from, you know, a Romans seven 
mindset where I do the things that I don't want to do and I don't do the things I want to do and move into Romans 8 where we experience more freedom in Christ. And um, that involves facing a lot of the things in our past that have hurt us so that we can be free of them. So that that's what my approach was on this book. So I'm curious, was there anything in particular that happened in your life that really kind of uh, motivated you then to, to do this? Cause you know, obviously a single book, even if it's on a particular topic can never contain everything that could ever be said about that topic. Right. So even you had to determine like, Hey, what are the things that, that you believe are most important to put into this book? Was there anything that happened in your own life that caused you to really be able to narrow it down to what you put into this book? Um, yeah, actually, um, my father-in-law uh, had passed away and he was in a lot of ways. I feel like he sustained our family uh, with prayer and constant prayer. And that pushed me to want to put down the things that I had in my head of what God has done in my life. And as far as distilling down, I wanted it to be short, simple, easy to read for anybody to read for the basics. Uh, These are basic things you can do to get some healing, to, to start to work out some issues. Um, I didn't want it to be, you know, a big textbook because there's plenty of those out there. And uh, if you find any issue that you're like, oh, this is an issue I really struggle with, I would say, yeah, go read a big textbook on that. Figure that out. But I wanted to be more broad and touch on a bunch of different issues. Yeah. And so um, uh, you start where just about anybody that's trying to figure something out would start. And you start by talking about, and, and I like the way you broke it down. There's basically kind of like five sections, I guess, to the, the, the book. And you start with identifying the problem. So let's, if we can, let's kind of walk through the progression that you have in the book and, and maybe even explain what you're really trying to highlight in each of these sections. So, I mean, it might seem obvious in the first section, identify the problem, but what is the problem? What are we talking about here? That's the actual problem we've got to identify. Um, it's any behavior that number one, you don't know where it's coming from. If we do things that I don't understand why I'm doing this, I don't know, understand why I'm reacting in anger or as far as sexual purity, I don't understand why I'm having these unwanted sexual desires. I don't want them. I don't know where they're coming from. And then also the problem would be anything that is um, separating us from going after what we want to go after. So I want to go after sexual purity. What is preventing that? Well, part of what's preventing that is I'm looking at things I shouldn't be looking at. I'm doing, I'm engaging in behaviors that I shouldn't be engaging in if I want to pursue these things. So identifying the problem is trying, getting more introspective about what is keeping us from doing what we want to be doing. 
Yeah. You know, one of the very first things that you point out in that section, which I think is really good, is is talking about the problem of identity. Can you talk a little bit about that and and what you're really trying to address when it comes down to understanding identity? I think especially for any men or women that struggle with sexual purity, identity is a key issue that we struggle with. It's something that is not instilled in us um, maybe when we're growing up and we have a lot of just unknowns about who we are. If we understood who we were, we wouldn't be seeking these things. And so from identity, what I'm speaking to is more um, understanding our role as, as children of God and not accepting the, you know, the identities that the world gives us the, um, well, I'm just an animal or I'm just a human or I'm just this or just that, but understanding that I am a child of God and that that is who I am and who I should be behaving as. Mm-hmm. Yeah. One of the other things you touch on in there that I thought was fascinating, especially considering the culture that we live in is the problem of distraction. Can you talk about why that is, uh, why that can be such a problem when it comes to living deliberately? Um, because it feels good. It feels good to just turn your brain off and to, to do any type of scrolling. I want to, you know, I'm not a big social media kind of guy, but um, I'll like a news feed. I like to go read different news articles about this or that. Um, for other people, I like to see what other people are doing on their social media. And even uh, growing up, I really liked video games. I don't, I don't have time for that so much anymore <laughs> with my own kids, but um, there's just, so many things that are great waste of time and they feel really good to do. And mm-hmm. so it becomes a big problem because we're not allowing ourselves time to see what God wants to say to us. We're not giving space in our head to listen to what God wants to say to us, but we just need to fill in that empty space. Yeah. And I think sometimes that can even circle back around to like even an issue like identity, right? Where the distractions start to cause you to believe that, you know what, I'm really made for entertainment. I'm made for pleasure. I'm made for, you know, fill in the blank with whatever sort of the hedonistic desire may be. And it's like, well, that's not really bearing God's image, right? That's not really being one who takes up the cross, denies themselves and follows you. You know, there's a sense in which we lose identity even through the distraction. So a lot of these things that you put in that first section, they're so interconnected in terms of, it's not just a separate distinct problem of distraction and a separate distinct problem of identity, or you put porn in there, you put pain in there. You know, these things are all interwoven. Can you talk about how even there's an overlap to uh, when we start identifying what the problems are, that there's a lot of interconnectivity with those. Absolutely. Um, Like you said, all these problems are very interwoven, Um, especially if you think entertainment interwoven with pornography, it's very prevalent even in shows that you would say, Oh, this is not pornographic, but it's everything is highly sexualized. 
and it could go down that road. And it's just basically a spiritual warfare when we have to recognize it as such is that the enemy wants to distract us. It wants us to get derailed from the purposes that God has set for us. And anything that we do to allow uh, the enemy to get footholds in our lives, it'll just open up the door more and more. And it's very easy to fall into um, because it's attractive. These things are attractive. They make me not have to, to feel pain that I otherwise would feel. I don't have to feel sad because I can feel better if I do X, Y, and Z. Mm-hmm. And that's where I want to go into the second. I really want to actually camp out for most of our conversation in your second chapter uh, on, on heal the past. Um, yeah. Uh, I'll go ahead and give the other sections that you have. Like the chapter three is about build the future. Chapter four is own the present. And then chapter five is live deliberately. But I really wanted to hone in on this heal the past part, because I think um, many times, especially what we see in our ministry for guys who are trying to break free from any number of unwanted sexual strongholds, whatever they may be, pornography or affairs or any number of kinds of sexual brokenness issues. They want to rush so quickly to like the, 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 the action steps. Like, what do I need to do in order to, you know, not <laughs> be doing the things that I was doing before? But yet yeah. you really kind of spend a, a good chunk of time talking about healing the past. Why is that so vital in your mind to ultimately living deliberately or living this full life? Um. So one thing I want to just state right away, because I feel like it can be the pendulums can swing the other way very easily, is that we just start wallowing in the past and wallowing in the hurts and say, oh, this was done to me. This was done to me. And we become victims of our past. That's not the point. We want to heal our past so that we can move beyond it so that it no longer controls our actions and no longer affects what we do. but so much of what we do, so many of our reactions are from past hurts that we've never faced, that we've never healed. And as men, um, men especially, I'm, I'm sure women too, but I can only speak for my experience as a man uh, growing up, there's two emotions that you're allowed to feel. You can feel angry or you can feel horny. Those are two acceptable feelings for men to feel growing up. And so if you're feeling sad, that's a powerless feeling. You're not supposed to feel that. And so we bury it, but it doesn't go away. If we bury feelings, they don't go away. And eventually we need to face them if we're to be free of them at all. Um, So a lot of uh, that section is... Let's go over the painful moments. Let's look at the hurts that we've had growing up so that we can pray over them, that we can release them to God, feel the pain, cry, cry like you feel that way when you were five years old, when the pain happened. Put yourself back in that spot, grieve it, and God will come and comfort you and you can be free of that so that Um, you don't have to feel angry or bitter 
about those things. Now, for a lot of guys, there have just been so many uh, years and sort of uh, layers of either uh, denial, distraction, all these other kind of things that have sort of covered yeah. up all of those original feelings. Now, those original feelings, probably when they happened, that little boy had no clue what to call them or how to express yeah. them. So what does it look like to start trying to peel back the layers so that you actually can feel those old feelings and even be able to articulate them? Like, what, is, what does that process look like? That is the hardest part is the starting of it um, because we don't know how to do it yet. We, we haven't learned growing up. Uh, if I've been burying my feelings, that's become a habit. And so there's going to be a lot of discomfort. There's going to be a lot of initial pain before we even get down to the root issues. And the best thing that we can do is recognize the pain for what it is and try to sort out our feelings. And even if we don't know where it's coming from, we can process it with other men that are maybe further along in the journey would be great. Um, if you have a spouse, it's good to share what you're feeling, even if you don't understand where it's coming from. So mm -hmm. uh, you might be, I'm just feeling very angry at, you know, my mom or my dad, and I don't know why they were great parents. I have great memories of them, but I just have a lot of bent up anger and just recognizing that giving yourself space to think about it, to process it, to pray about it. And even if I don't know exactly where something's coming from, I can go through prayers with, with God about, okay, I need to forgive this person. I'm not sure of what, but I have bitterness towards them. And as we start to try to work through forgiveness of them, God is faithful to reveal reasons why, and he's faithful to bring up the issues that we need to sort through. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Talk a little bit more about, about addressing bitterness and kind of how that can sometimes come out when you are starting to really try to unpack and heal from the past. Um, so I think that bitterness is very easily disguised because me personally, I don't feel like I'm a bitter guy. I, you know, I can go through my life and I'm not feeling anything, but now that I can recognize these feelings and I'm, I can walk through things. I say, Oh, I was really bitter towards that person. Why? Because I could see that. I just want bad things to happen to them or I don't want them to do well or I want it. for me a lot of it comes out in I really want to be proven right. I want to be proven right over this person. And I have to stop myself and say, you know what? That is not a godly goal. I want God to be glorified. I that's coming from a place of bitterness. So mm -hmm. even if we think oh, I might not be bitter if we are not seeking God's glory, but more seeking our own over another person, that could be bitterness. And it's easy to say, well, I'm, I'm going through forgiveness for this person. I, I'm praying for forgiveness for them. But 
it is a process a lot of times, especially with deep wounds and deep hurts that have happened to us. Um, it can be a long time to where, well, I've already prayed to forgive them, but that doesn't mean it's taken out of our heart yet. And we need to go through as many times as we have to. Yeah. Now, why is there no other cure for bitterness other than forgiveness? Can you talk about that? Like, I mean, I've, I've seen plenty of guys, <laughs> myself included, that have looked for other ways to try to extract the bitterness from my own heart. And it seems like forgiveness is the only path that that can be not only healed in me, but even just offered to another person. Can you talk about why forgiveness is so essential <laughs> to this process of healing your past? Um, it's the way God designed it. Um, he wants us to be free. And it says, I mean, Jesus says, forgive and you'll be forgiven. He tells us that for us to be forgiven, we have to forgive. It, I, I go back to when I'm struggling with forgiving somebody, I go back to the story of, of Jesus and the, the parable that Jesus said about, um, the debtors, the the, there's a man, a rich man who had forgave a huge debt of another guy. And then that guy refused to forgive a small debt that he had against him. And I just think about that. And, man, I really don't want to forgive these small debts that I have against other people. Mm -hmm. But it's recognizing that, no, the Lord has forgiven us our big debts. So we need to forgive the other debts. And when we don't do that, we are not following the laws that Jesus spells out for us. And that's where the enemy can take hold and grab hold of our hearts. So when we are refusing God's ways, there's only one other ways that we're, we're following. And that's, you know, the enemy's ways here. And that'll take hold of our hearts and it will fester and become worse and worse until we finally give it to God. Yeah. Now, generally speaking, you know, who are the people that need to be forgiven in our lives? Uh, can you talk about that? They're always the people closest to us because they're the ones that I open my heart to. And so they're the ones that necessarily hurt me. Um, always, almost, yeah. Every once in a while, there might be somebody that offends us here and there that we don't know, but they're very easy to forgive because I don't know them. Maybe they're having a bad day, whatever. Let's go on. But it's when the people that I open my heart to, you know, my spouse, my parents, my siblings, they do something or say something that hurts me. It's hurts me to my core. And that is especially true um, as we are kids growing up because we don't have the tools, we don't understand things. And even if parents are doing the right thing, we can interpret them as har harming us. So objectively, parents can do the right thing. They're objectively doing the right thing parenting. But internally, I'm receiving it as rejection or I'm receiving it as something else. Mm -hmm. And those are the wounds that we carry with us through life. 
um, until we finally give them to God. Yeah. How can, how can a lot of these wounds and thinking about dealing with our past and the healing that's needed there, how can, how can a lot of these wounds actually be related to, or even almost like pathways to sexual brokenness and all other kinds of, uh, you know, sexual struggles Mm -hmm. that a young person has as they're growing up? That, that is a good, that is a good question. Um, those, Wounds that we have are pain that we feel that we don't know how to deal with. And growing up, we find the path of least resistance of what's the easiest way to feel better. And um, I know a lot of people with uh, same sex attraction, they have wounds from, they have father wounds because they don't have a great relationship with their father and they're looking for a male connection that way. Um, any type of wound that we look to medicate with just feeling better will manifest in a way or can manifest in a way of seeking sexual pleasure um, because it's easy and it's cheap and it makes us feel better. Mm -hmm. Now, one of the things that you mentioned in that section was also the need to forgive ourselves. Can you talk a little bit about about that and what that looks like and why that's necessary as part of healing from the past? Um, We can blame ourselves in a lot of ways that is not helpful. Uh, The Lord doesn't want us to be filled with shame. The Lord doesn't want us to be... um, constantly thinking bad of ourselves the lord convicts us so that we can repent of our sins and move forward and so if we're unable to move forward after we repent then that becomes a problem it becomes a controlling part of our life and uh, when we forgive hmm, how we walk out forgiveness for ourselves looks a lot like accepting our past and being able to move on from it. Mm -hmm. I've made mistakes in my past. I've repented of them. If I sit there thinking, man, I wish I could change that man. I wish I could change that man. I wish I could change that. It's becoming a controlling part of my life. But if I accept that God is in control that he can use the bad parts of my past to glorify him, then that's awesome. I can move Mm -hmm. on. Like, would I do it the same way again? No, because I know better now, but God can use those things. And I'm not going to sit there worrying about things that I cannot change, but I'm going to move forward and trust that God is going to use those things to his glory. Well, what else would you like to share from uh, from the book or just even your own journey that might be helpful for our listeners today as, as they're thinking about what does it take to, to really, as you put it, live deliberately? Um, I just want uh, the listeners to take away that we have, we all have issues. We all have wounds. We all make mistakes. Uh, what matters the most is how we get up and move forward. And so I want to encourage everybody that let's figure out what's holding us back 
so that they doesn't hold us back anymore. And living de- deliberately, I just chose that title because I want every action that I make to be on purpose. I don't want to be doing things for no reason. I don't want to not understand why I do something, but I want to do things intentionally on purpose for a reason. And that can be a simple reason as, well, my daughter really wants to do this and she's going to have a fun time. So I'm going to go do that. And it, or it can be as deep as, no, this is what God is calling me to. So I'm going to pursue this. Um, but there should be a reason and not just be, well, I don't have anything else to do, so I'm going to waste some time or I'm waiting for this or I don't know why, but I really need to act out right now because I'm not mm. feeling good. Um, mm-hmm. But now you I wanted that. to... Go ahead. I wanted to ask you um, what what has been the most useful tool for you when you're seeking freedom sexually, sexual purity, what has been the most useful thing that you have found? Yeah, you know, it's interesting. I would say that even my answer to that question could could be different based on different stages that I was in in my recovery. Um, I would say probably if you had asked me that question, you know, within six weeks of me from like D-Day of starting my recovery journey, I probably would have said a lot of things that that are that really do seem tool like. Like I'd be like, "Oh man, you know this uh, this internet accountability software that I have," or "Hey, you know I'm uh, man this group that I'm plugged into." I would because it would have been like these are just major guardrails that I needed just to keep me from continuing to essentially drown myself. <laughs> um, I feel like today where I'm at, um, and this is not. And by the way, uh, listeners and viewers, um, uh, Michael sprang this on me like two minutes before we started the podcast today. I didn't have, he said, I'm going to ask you a question today. So I've had all of this conversation to just be able to think of it a little bit in the back of my mind. But this is the first thing that came to my mind when you even asked me off air. And that is, you know what, the the best tool that has been, uh, uh, helpful for me in terms of pursuing integrity and resisting temptation has been uh, like a threefold answer. It's the word of God. And I put that into two contexts, the written word and the living word, and then also the people of God. Those things combined have absolutely been my greatest asset in terms of pursuing and living out a life of integrity. Because from the very beginning of my recovery, I realized that um, I had been fooling myself in thinking that just because I was in the family of God through faith in Jesus Christ, which I'm saved by grace alone, and I'm so grateful for that. I assumed, however, that that meant that I now automatically had closeness or intimacy with God. And that's not necessarily Mm -hmm. true. And so that started me on a journey of saying, what does it look like for me to know God? Well, God's word actually says to to know the father, you need to know the son because Jesus is the exact representation of the father. So I really went on a journey of really getting to know the word, not just the written word, but the living word. Like, what does it look like to have a relationship? 
a vibrant, thriving relationship with Jesus. And with that, then guess where Jesus always led me? To his people. <laughs> like he didn't lead me away yeah. into isolation saying, hey, get as far away from community as you possibly can. Get, a, get away from, you know, meaningful, deep, rich relationships. And so I know that's probably a longer answer than you were looking for, but those are the things that are the nearest and dearest to me. The word of God and the people of God have been the richest resource for me living a life of integrity. Now, I realize that even a lot of maybe our viewers and listeners would have preferred me to t to give them a lot of uh, technology answers or a lot of and and all of those kinds of resources are good. I'm not disparaging any of them, but I guess after being on this journey for 24 years where my heart is drawn the most and where I find the most freedom and joy and peace is not found in any other kind of uh, mechanism or, or mechanical thing. It's actually found in vibrant relationships, first with God and then with other people. And that has been the most impactful thing for me. And I don't know if I could label those as tools necessarily, <laughs> but that's how I would answer your question. How would you answer that I question? Think I, your own question. I I love that. Um, I had a different answer, I think, but I like your answer I, because I think it goes to the heart of intimacy, intimacy with the Lord, intimacy with other people. That to be seen and to be known by by God and by other people, I think, is the most healing thing that we can do. Where we stop hiding and we start being seen and shown for who we are and loved for who we are by the mm -hmm. Lord and by other people. And those, those are the types of relationships that we will find the most healing in. Um, I don't want uh, freedom sexually just for freedom sexually sake. I want, I want, I, I don't want to just be sober. I want to be free of feeling that draw. I want to be able to walk in a way that honors God without having to bury my head in the sand and say, Oh, I'm, I can't look over here because I might be pulled this way or I might be pulled that way, but I want to walk in a way that, you know what? My needs are met. I feel full. I don't need um, any type of other sexual sin. And so for me, uh, probably the best tool is similar to yours would be intimacy with the Lord. And it would be more um, being comforted when you're, when you're mourning and to mourn the wounds, to mourn the hurts, to be healed of those things um, and giving, giving myself room to, to be sad about things without um, being ashamed. I can be sad about something. I can be sad about things in the past and not have to just, you know, excuse it away. It's okay. It's okay for me to be sad about this. It's okay for me to be sad about that because then I can give them to the Lord and move forward. Yeah, that's really good. And uh, Michael, this has been a great conversation. Where can folks go to uh, get the book or, or any other resources that you might want to suggest? Um, yeah, you can get my book. It's Live Deliberately by Michael Warren. You can 
get it on Amazon, Barnes and Noble. You can uh, get my website. It's mwarrenauthor.com. You can get it there. And um, I think the best resource for anybody out there that is struggling sexually, look for a community, either online community or better as in-person community. Because um, like you said, the best way um, to get any sort of healing is with relationship. And so these tools that I offer in the book are best used in relationship. Mm -hmm. Well, this has been a great conversation, Michael, and really thank you for being uh, open with us and, and sharing with us. And so thanks for being on the program today. Thank you very much. I'm happy to be here. Yeah. Well, listeners, we're going to give all that information in the show notes to connect with Michael and his book. And we've also got a whole uh, network and directory of, of groups that are all over the country. And we'll put that in the notes as well. But we're glad that you're with us. And we look forward to seeing you back here again next time on the Pure Sex Radio program. Take care. Pure Sex Radio is paid for by Be Broken Ministries. Visit us online at puresexradio.com.